listening to the Miracle Word Podcast. We believe that the Word of God gives you the power to experience never-ending increase in every area. If you're ready for revelation that will take you to the next level, you're in the right place. Here's your host, evangelist, author, and founder of Miracle Word University, Ted Shuttlesworth Jr. It's going to be a great day. As I said a minute ago, um, I'm going to take the next five days of this week and we're going to deal with this subject um, on angels, demons, and the supernatural realm. Uh, If you are a part of the text family, then you got the heads up ahead of time, um, which always happens. If you're a part of the text family, you get all the info ahead of time on things we're getting ready to do. If you're not a part of the text family and you'd like to jump in and be a part of it, you can go to miracleword.com forward slash text, miracleword.com forward slash text, and, uh, and you can sign up and receive text messages from me. It is me sending them. Uh, it's not a bot. It's not a staff member. It is me. So uh, I'd love you to be a part of that. That way you can text me back. We can stay in contact. Isaiah uh, in the comments. Good to see you, buddy. You look so good. You look so good. I saw your picture online. Isaiah has lost a hundred pounds and he looks amazing. Very, very proud of you. Very, very proud of you. Um, Can't wait to see you in just a couple of weeks. Uh, Carl, what's up? Terry, good to see you. Judy, Fabiola, Jen and Josiah. Good to see Josiah. Judy Stitzworth got my text. Um, And so listen, take a minute to share it today. Today, uh, this installment, this session is going to be on 11 important facts about demons, fallen angels. Um, and so definitely take notes today. I'm going to give you scripture. Um, some of these I'm sure you've never heard before. Some of them you may not have heard from this, uh, perspective before, but we're going to take today and deal with 11 important facts about demons and fallen angels. And, um, the reason is, is just First of all, there's, there's an interest about it. Now, now, why is that? The first reason there's an interest is because we are supernatural beings. So if you think about this, we are built as supernatural beings to have an interest in the supernatural realm. And so why do you think that even sinners, even Hollywood does so much content on the supernatural? whether that be demons or, you know, exorcisms or, you know, just that, that kind of stuff. Why do you think there's so much content about it? It's because even they know in a fallen state, in a, a sinful state, that there's an interest. Why do you think so many people visit uh, fortune tellers, psychics, mediums? Why do you think so many people do that? Call those uh, 1-900 numbers and pay all that money. In fact, I did a study on that and showed how much money people are spending every year on psychic hotlines. It's insane. It would blow your mind. Put it in one of my books. But um, the reason is because there's so much interest. We're supernatural beings and we have a desire to know more about the supernatural realm. And so that's that's one of the reasons there's so many questions about it. But the other side of that is so much of the content that's produced is not scriptural content. You know, when Hollywood makes a movie about demons or whatever that might be, it's not going to be biblically accurate, obviously. And so because of the fact that 
so much of the content that's released about the unseen realm, demons, angels, is not done from a biblical standpoint. Uh, there's a lot of things that people think about demons or angels or the supernatural that's not biblically based. It's not scriptural. And so it's, it's error. It's wrong, right? So we're going to be dealing with that. And I want to talk about this because um, especially today, in the day in which we live, uh, we ought to be, we ought to be well-versed in this subject, understanding what's going on in the supernatural realm. Um, if we, if you were a part of the, some of the broadcasts I've done over the past couple of weeks, three weeks or so, you'll know that there is without a question, an antichrist spirit at work in the earth. And it's been at work in the earth for thousands of years, but you can start to see now the agenda of the antichrist spirit ramping up. Uh, around the world, because even demons can sense what God is doing. Even demons know the word of God. Even demons know, even the devil knows what God's going to do via prophecy, the word of God, the written word of God. And so to fulfill prophecy, that spirit of antichrist is ramping up and you're starting to see prophecies fulfilled all over the world. Things that Jesus said would take place thousands of years ago are now taking place. And so uh, not only is there a great interest in the supernatural realm, number two, uh, misconceptions about it, but number three, we ought to be aware of it as Christians, especially Holy Spirit filled Christians. The Bible says that we're not ignorant of the devil's devices. We're not ignorant of the devil's devices. And so uh, it does help greatly to understand what the Bible says about it. And so that's why we're going to go through it this week. You're not going to want to miss one day of this series, this five day series on angels, demons, and the supernatural realm. So don't miss it every morning, 1030 AM. And then of course, Carolyn will be live this week on Wednesday and Friday at 2 PM, uh, with her broadcast. Also what's up, Carissa. Um, if you haven't shared it, take a minute to share. We're going to jump in. I'm going to give you now 11 important facts about demons, fallen angels, and uh, definitely take notes on these. It'll help you to understand things maybe you've never seen before. Number one, the first thing you need to understand about demons or fallen angels, and this is a misconception. People never thought this was the, the key uh, or the truth, but it is, and it is key to the whole story of demons and angels, is this, demons and angels have a free will. That's the first thing you need to understand. Number one, demons and angels have a free will. And we can see that from scripture. And I'll show it to you in a moment. You know, there's so many people that think, you know, angels are just kind of like automatons that they just kind of have to, they're like spiritual robots that just kind of have to do exactly uh, whatever God says. They, you know, they, they can't choose to not do it. The Bible tells us differently. The Bible tells us differently that there were a group uh, of angels, including Lucifer himself, that decided to go against the will of God, to go against the plan of God. And obviously, if, if demons or angels were just spiritual robots that were pre-programmed and had, you know, then they would not have been able to rebel against the plan of God. And so in Isaiah chapter 14, that's where I want to start. Isaiah chapter 14, we can see the proof that uh, angels and demons have a free will. Look at this now, Isaiah 14, and uh, we're looking at verses 
12 through 14. Isaiah 14, verses 12 through 14. Listen to this. How you are fallen from heaven, O day star, son of dawn, how you are cut down to the ground, you who laid the nations low. Verse 13, you said in your heart, I will ascend to heaven above the stars of God. I will set my throne on high. I will sit on the mount of assembly in the far reaches of the north. I will ascend above the heights of the clouds. I will make myself like the most high, but you are brought down to Sheol to the far reaches of the pit. That's verse 15 actually. And so you can see right there, this is a passage about Lucifer that he decided to lead a rebellion into heaven and the Bible says was cast down to Sheol. In fact, this is mirrored in the New Testament. Did you know that Jesus actually said in the New Testament, I saw Satan fall like lightning. So God cast Satan out of heaven so forcefully, so vehemently that Satan fell like lightning from heaven. And of course, this passage is talking about it. You are brought down to Sheol to the far reaches of the pit. So here you can clearly see that Lucifer, who was, this is an English standard version, by the way, the ESV. I know Ruth's asking. Um, so number one, demons and angels have a free will. And so uh, Lucifer, along with uh, supposedly the other angels that joined him, made a choice to rebel against the plan of God, the will of God, the desire of God, and literally to go outside of their um, realm of authority or, or their jurisdiction, if you will, and decided, Lucifer decided, I'm going to take my place above God. I'm going to take my place above the most high God. And the Bible says God in his power immediately cast Satan from heaven and every angel that uh, joined with him in this rebellion, cast them out. And so I think that's an interesting place to start because so many times people have been taught that, you know, th that's the reason God created humans is because God wanted a group of beings who had a free will that uh, had to choose to love him because angels are forced to love him and praise him. Apparently that's not true from scripture because here Lucifer chose to not only, uh, not only uh, not honor God, but to rebel against him. So these angels were not forced to obey God. They weren't forced to come into line with his agenda. And so they chose. Now, the other side of this is, uh, in this, in this free will question of angels and demons is if they, you could say, well, you know, no, God is actually the one who divinely, um, and sovereignly forced them to do that for his own purposes. The, the, the grand story of redemption. Well, if that's the case, how are these angels, uh, justly punished for their rebellion against God. If they were forced to do something only in obedience to God, then why is he punishing them for their obedience for him causing them to rebel so that the story of redemption could take place? Because the Bible tells us, go with me to Matthew 25. The Bible tells us that for their rebellion, they will ultimately be destroyed in eternal punishment. And so Matthew 25, we'll look at verse 41, Matthew 25, 41 says, 
Then he will say to those on his left, depart from me, you cursed into the eternal fire prepared for the devil and his angels. Did you see that? See, Capri is saying the same thing that she's always taught that angels had, uh, scroll up. I lost that, that angels, uh, at one time they were able to choose God or Satan, but they still have a free will of something I've not heard yet. Um, and I'm going to deal with that Capri in a moment, but in Matthew 25, 41, look at what Jesus said that this eternal fire was actually prepared for the devil and his angels. And so that means God has a plan to punish not only Lucifer, but every demon spirit, which was a fallen angel that chose to exit heaven with him in this rebellion, which means that it was their free will to choose to rebel against God. And God can now justly punish them. He can justly punish them for their choice to rebel. So these two things show you clearly that uh, angels had the ability to choose to rebel. They have a free will. Now, I will say, now this is number two. Um, if you're taking notes, this is the second uh, interesting and important fact about demons or fallen angels is, um, you know, it's been traditionally said that one third of the angels fell from heaven with Lucifer. Raise your hand in the comments if you've heard that before. One third of the angels in heaven fell with Lucifer when he fell. One third of them. And that's really uh, kind of been church tradition. That's kind of been church tradition. So uh, I see hands going up that people have heard that. One third of the angels fell with Satan when he fell from heaven. I want to make a couple of uh, comments on that uh, for those that are, that are listening. It's interesting because we know that angels did fall from heaven with Lucifer because uh, what Jesus just said that we read in Matthew 25, hell was prepared for the devil and his angels. So that we know that there were angels that did fall with Lucifer when he fell and was cast down from heaven. Um, but there is this church tradition that's gone on through the centuries of teaching that it was one third of the angels that fell from heaven. Well, where, where is that taken from? Why do we, why do we have that uh, tradition? Well, in the book of Revelation chapter 12 and verse number four, this is where that thought is taken from revelation 12, four. Now it's interesting that as, as I've been teaching you on and on and on, it's important to stay. Um, it's important to stay in context of the passage. And so, uh, looking at the context of revelation chapter 12, it's important to note here. And this is a reason to believe that it's possibly, uh, not, accurate that one third of heaven's angels fell with Satan. Um, obviously this passage starting here, the heading in the ESV is the woman and the dragon, but you look at this, it says, I'll start with verse one and we'll read through verse, uh, four and a great sign appeared in heaven, a woman clothed with the sun, with the moon under her feet and on her head, a crown of 12 stars. 
She was pregnant and crying out in birth pains and the agony of giving birth. And another sign appeared in heaven. Behold, a great red dragon with seven heads, ten horns, and on his heads seven diadems. His tail swept down a third of the stars of heaven and cast them to the earth. And the dragon stood before the woman who was about to give birth, so that when she bore her child, he might devour it. She gave birth to a male child who is to rule all the nations with a rod of iron, but her child was caught up to God and to his throne. And the woman fled into the wilderness where she, where she has a place prepared by God in which she is to be nourished for 1260 days. And so in this passage, Revelation 12, one through six, um, a lot of times that people will look at that and say, well, uh, and you may have heard this, that in the beginning of time, you know, before the fall of man, when Satan fell uh, from heaven and took down a third of the angels, the reason that there's some dispute about this is because the time frame of the passage that we just read, as you can see, it's kind of talking about the time of the Messiah's first coming. If you read this in, in context, it seems to be referring to the first coming of Jesus in this time frame. So, uh, some people may argue, well, this is not talking about before the, before time began with Adam and Eve and all of that, that Satan fell from heaven and took a third of the angels. Uh, however, this has been used also for that purpose to say this passage, revelation 12, four to say that one third, uh, that his tail swept one third of the stars from heaven and they were cast down to the earth to say that that's one third of the angels that were in heaven that were then cast down to the earth. Um, it is important to note that there's not anywhere else in the Bible that lists this one third number, uh, for fallen angels or even here, the fallen stars. Um, yeah, it keeps on going. Uh, now war arose in heaven, Michael and his angels fighting against the dragon, dragon defeated and his angels fought back, but he was defeated. There was no longer any place for them in heaven. It's true. It continues on Capri's saying, if you keep reading in the context, uh, what I'm dealing with is the time frame, uh, because you see here, the, the Messiah is mentioned in his first coming. And so we know for a fact, it wasn't just Lucifer that fell from heaven, but that angels fell with him. And of course, Jesus said hell was prepared for the devil and his angels. And, uh, so because there's not really any other place in the Bible that describes this, it's very possible that a third of the angels, uh, did fall from heaven. I don't know that you'd want to be extremely dogmatic about it, but this passage seems to indicate that it was uh, a third of the stars that he swept with his tail. And of course, as you continue to read the passage, there was no longer place for them in heaven. They were cast down. But I do want to say this. Um, this is number three, by the way, the third fact about angels. And I want to answer uh, Christian Raybert's question in the, in the, um, in the comments, can angels still choose to disobey God? Um, I wanted to deal with that. So this is fact number three, can angels sin now? This is, this is question number three, can angels sin now? Or more specifically, can current angels become fallen angels now? And this is an interesting point because, uh, after this rebellion that we see in the Bible, we don't see in narrative 
in prophecy, in any other place, any other rebellion of angels. After this rebellion took place of Lucifer being cast down, of fallen angels going with him, we don't see any other rebellion of angels mentioned in the scripture. We never see another rebellion. And here's the other thing, even in prophecy about the future, we don't see any prophecy that angels will again rebel against God. So after the initial rebellion, we don't see any other rebellions in narrative, in scripture, in history, or in prophecy. And so the Bible seems to indicate that after the rebellion, there uh, is no other rebellion of angels, or more specifically, there are no more angels that will become fallen. No more demons will be created through rebellion to our knowledge. We have nothing in the Bible about it. We have no prophecies about it. It's possible. It's possible. Uh, that when the other angels in heaven saw the extreme punishment of those who fell, uh, that it was, you know, because that, uh, to our knowledge, it had never happened before, obviously. And so may, it could be, I'm not making this a doctrine, but it, possibly that when the other angels in heaven saw the extreme punishment of that state of rebellion, <laughs> it was like a precedent, like nobody else is even coming close to touching that. We're not, we're not even going there. It's very possible. And I, I have an, another reason to show you that. Uh, from scripture in, in just a moment. So to answer fact number three, it seems as though angels will not choose to rebel any longer, that angels will not choose to sin now. It's interesting because when you're looking at it uh, from this from this place, there is kind of a tradition that teaches that there was what we, what we would call like a probation period, a probation period in which the angels had time to choose. And of course some did, but it doesn't seem like from scripture anywhere in history, narrative or prophecy that angels will ever rebel against God again, that the angels that exist in heaven are loyal to the father, loyal to Jesus Christ, the word made flesh. Uh, and of course are his army. The Bible says, they are his army and Christ is the commander of heaven's armies. Of course, um, the Bible calls him Lord of hosts, um, calls him Lord of hosts or the newer translations render that Jesus Lord or commander of heaven's armies. And so we can see it almost seems as though from everything we're seeing that the angels that are remaining in heaven are fully loyal to the father, fully loyal to Christ. And he leads them as heaven's army. Uh, of course they'll fight as well. And they're fighting and carrying out, um, God's desires in the earth. And, um, not only that they are uh, ministering spirits sent forth to minister on behalf of those who have inherited salvation. That's Hebrews chapter one. So, what we have now, angels and demons, number one, have a free will. Number two, um, one third of the angels, it seems to say in scripture, fell with Lucifer. And then number three, um, angels don't seem to have any further need to rebel 
Um, and, and I want to talk a little bit more about that as I get into different, different facts here that we're going to say, because uh, there's a couple of things that I want to point out um, about the time frame of what happened from the Old Testament coming through the law, the prophets, and then through on into the New Testament, things have changed. And I want to deal with that, why it's different now that things have changed. It's an important thought. So that's three. Let me give you number four. <clears throat> um, free will, number one. Number two, one third of the angels fell. Number three, doesn't seem like they can sin anymore. Number four, demons are not the souls of dead sinners. Needs to be said. That's number four. Demons are not the souls of dead sinners. Put it in the comments. This is something that has been said. In fact, I've seen people try to uh, separate the thought of fallen angels versus demons. But demons are not the souls of dead sinners. You know, people think you die. It's like, it's like the way people, people think, people think that you go to heaven and become an angel. You don't go to heaven and become an angel. Angels are angels and we are made in God's image and his likeness. We're different than angels. We're higher than angels because we're attached to the body of Christ. But there are people that have believed that, you know, Christians die and go to heaven and become angels, you know, get wings and a, it's like, and then the other, the opposite is true. People think that sinners die and go to hell and become demons. That's not what happens. That's not what happens. Humans are created in the likeness and the image of God. The only thing that changes at death is of course the Christians or those that serve Christ go to heaven to spend eternity with God. But those that have rejected Christ that are still sinners when they die will go to hell to spend eternity separated from God, separated from God. And so it doesn't change them into demons. There are, the demons that exist are all the demons that will exist. It's important to remember that the demons that exist currently are all the demons that will exist. The devil's not a creator, so he cannot create more angels. He can't create more demons. He's got what he's got. And, which I'll deal with in a moment, he's already lost some of what he had. He's already lost some of what he's had. But demons are not the souls of dead sinners. You don't go to hell and become a demon, then come back up to the earth and start uh, acting out the devil's plans as a demon now that you've died. It doesn't work that way. In fact, if you read passages of scripture from the Bible, you'll see, for example, the story of the rich man and Lazarus, right? That where were they? Where were they? The rich man and Lazarus were down in the lower parts of the earth in two different compartments of Hades or the great or, or the Greek Hades. They were in two different compartments of Hades. The rich man was in a compartment of suffering, but Lazarus, the poor man 
was in the compartment of paradise or rest. You remember the story. And the rich man is begging for just a drop of water for his tongue. He was in that place of torment and wanted people uh, to go back and tell his family about the afterlife, but it wasn't possible. And so notice there that there's two compartments in that place of, of Hades. There was the compartment of suffering. There was the compartment of paradise, which is where Jesus went after his crucifixion. What did he tell the thief uh, uh, at, at his side? He said, today you will be with me in paradise. Well, the Bible goes on to tell us in that story that there's a great chasm between the place of suffering and the place of paradise that cannot be crossed, cannot be crossed. And so as you look um, in that story of the rich man and Lazarus, you know that the, not only can the chasm not be crossed, but there's no way for people to exit, right? You, once you're there, you're there. It's like the Bible says, Paul said this, to be absent from the body, talking about Christians, to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. To be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. And so, same is true if you went to heaven. You can't go to heaven and then start coming back down to earth and just doing your thing. It's not how it works. You go to heaven, you're in heaven until uh, the second coming of Christ when we return with the Lord to the earth uh, to do battle. But uh, you can't just leave. <laughs> you can't go in and out of heaven. You can't go in and out of hell. And so that's important to say because we. the reason I bring that up is because if demons are the souls of dead sinners, that means that they're not confined to hell. They're up because we know demons are active in the earth right now. They were active in the Bible. We have many stories about that in the New Testament. Demons were active on the earth in the Bible. So demons are not currently confined to hell. Demons, as well as Satan himself, are roaming, going about to and fro, uh, to see who they can devour. And of course, demons are active carrying out the plans of Satan right now on the earth. They're not confined to hell. So we know that demon spirits cannot be the souls of sinners uh, going in and out of hell. You are confined to hell. Lazarus and the rich man, that story is very important. And by the way, that was not a parable. That was a story Jesus didn't use names in parables. If you ever study that, Jesus didn't use names in parables. If you're speaking about somebody with names, then they, it was an actual story. It was something that Christ was telling uh, as a historical narrative. And so Lazarus was a real person. The rich man was a real person. And Jesus is uh, telling that story as it happened. So Demons, that's, that's the next thing I want you to see. Demons are not, they are not the souls of dead sinners. Very important. Demons are not the souls of dead sinners. All right, let me get into this one. How many, what was that, four? What are we on, number five now? <laughs> I'm losing track. I got to mark these off. Uh, one, <laughs> two, three, 
four. Yes, this is number five. All right, number five. The fifth thing I want to tell you is very interesting thought. Genesis chapter six, fallen angels came down and mated with human women, the Bible teaches. Rohan's got a question. It's a totally different subject, but how did Samuel appear when Saul went to the medium? Is that a different scenario? Uh, In fact, Rohan, if you look at that uh, passage in another book of the Bible, the Bible tells us it was a demon spirit or a familiar spirit, that it was not Samuel. It was a a deceptive spirit or a familiar spirit that was uh, parading or presenting itself as Samuel, but was not Samuel. So, as we go further, look at this now. Very interesting. Fallen angels, number four was, if you're, if you're taking notes, number four was, demon spirits are not the souls of sinners that have died. That was number four, Leslie. Demon spirits are not the souls of sinners who have died. So number one, angels and demons had a free will. Number two, uh, one third of the angels seem to have fallen from heaven with Satan. Number three, it doesn't seem as though angels will ever rebel again. And number four, demons are not the souls of dead sinners. Number five is that angels, fallen angels, came down, according to scripture, and mated with human women. And, according to scripture, produced giants on the earth. Let's read that. Uh, it's found in Genesis chapter six. And I want to, and I want to deal with this because this is the other thing that I was, that I was uh, referring to that I wanted to show you from scripture, um, as to why it might be true that, uh, angels are, are choosing not to rebel ever again. There's extreme and swift punishment for those obviously that rebelled against God. They were cast from heaven, ejected. And the Bible says, uh, as it words it in Revelation 12, there was no longer a place for them in heaven, but also uh, how, how quickly and how like harshly God ejected Satan from heaven. But now look at this. Uh, let's start with verse one, Genesis six, one. When man began to multiply on the face of the land and the daughters were born to them, the sons of God saw that the daughters of man were attractive and they took as their wives as any they chose. And the Lord said, my spirit shall not abide in man forever for his flesh, his days shall be 120 years. The Nephilim were on the earth in those days. And also afterward, when the sons of God came into the daughters of man and they bore children to them. And these were mighty men who were uh, of old, the men of renown. And so, very interesting thought here, the sons of God mated with the daughters of men or, the, or human women produced giants in the earth, giants. Very interesting too that the giants were always pitted against God's people. No question about that. The giants were always pitted against God's people. Of course, we know the story of David and Goliath 
and then all of the giants. I find this interesting too, that David didn't just kill Goliath, but then afterward with his mighty men, he wiped out every other giant. Scroll, scroll back up. I miss, I missed that. All right, scroll back up. Scroll, scroll back up. You're good. Um, I'll have to deal with some of these questions. Go all the way to the bottom. I'll have to deal with some of these questions as we go because I know there's a lot of questions. I might have to do a Q&A. Wait, oh, you're going to write something down? Okay, thank you. Um, so not only did David kill Goliath, but the Bible tells us that later that he and his mighty men killed every other giant remaining on the earth, they were extinct. But then look at this, who was in the promised land when the children of Israel showed up to Canaan? The land was filled with giants. I don't find it as any uh, coincidence that it was the giants that were in the place, really now trespassing on the place that God had given to his people. And they had to go in. What did they do? I love what Caleb and Joshua said, and they had so much faith to say. Number one, they are like bread to us. We are well able to take the land. Their protection is removed from them. Very interesting. And so uh, not only were those giants trespassing on the property that God's people were given, but Caleb and Joshua had the right answer. Let's go at once and take the land. We are well able to do it. They are bred to us and their protection is removed from them. And literally drove the giants out. The, the giants in the earth produced by uh, the sons of God mating with the daughters of men were always pitted against God's people. Always pitted against God's people. And so David killed them. The mighty men killed them. The people of God killed them in the Old Testament and literally uh, wiped out the giants off of the face of the earth. Um, I don't want to deal with this uh, in depth because maybe I'll take another day to do it. Um, but it's really interesting. Yeah, Michael says, shouldn't the giants have died in the flood? And that's a good point because... Uh, apparently it happened again because of the fact they were around after the flood. They were around after the flood. But here's an interesting thought. I heard uh, Pastor Willie George from Tulsa teach on this one time. It was a very interesting thought uh, because people always ask the question, why, why would fallen angels do such a thing? Why would they produce a race of beings in the earth? And he gave a, an answer which was very interesting. His answer was that Satan was attempting ahead of time to pollute the bloodline of man so that the Redeemer could not come. And then points out the fact that when God looked at Noah and said, here's a perfect and upright man, part of what he was talking about was his bloodline, that he was not polluted by any of those actions of those fallen angels and therefore he and his family were qualified to literally restart the human race so that Christ could come uh, to, to carry out the act of redemption. 
Now, the answer, because people have asked this and I see people asking now, do angels still have a free will? Could they still do these things? Could it still happen? Um, the question is, you know, people, anybody that's, I've actually heard people say this, like, you know, giants are still in the earth today. There's still, there's still this demon spawn. It's like, don't go trying to kill Shaquille O'Neal. He's not, he's, he's not, don't go after Yao Ming. These, these guys are not, uh, the spawn of Satan, but, um, I want to say something because Willie George taught on this thought. It was a very interesting thought. He said, after these fallen angels mated with women, created these giants, of course, they were fighting against God's people throughout the history of scripture, but they failed. Remember this, they failed in their attempt to pollute the bloodline of man so that the redeemer could not come. So it's important to remember two things. Number one, they failed. Number one, they failed. And number two, they were punished. Now, this is, this is the next thing I want you to see. This is fact number six. The angels, the fallen angels that took on the form of humans and mated with human women were punished and are currently in punishment for what they did. Go with me to the book of Jude. And uh, I wanted to write, uh, to read to you, um, let's read verses five through seven. Jude, there's only one chapter in Jude, but Jude verses five through seven, the angels that went outside of their jurisdiction were punished by God and are still currently in punishment. And so when you heard me reference the fact earlier that number one, Satan can't create more demons. He's not a creator. And the souls of sinners that have died are not becoming demons. So Satan only has what he has and a portion of them were already taken from him and are currently being punished. And if we're looking here, we're looking at Jude 1 verses 5 through 7. Listen to this. It says, now I want to remind you, although you once fully knew it, that Jesus, who saved a people out of the land of Egypt, afterward destroyed those who did not believe. Verse six, and the angels who did not stay within their own position of authority, but left their proper dwelling, he has kept in eternal chains under gloomy darkness until the judgment of the great day. Now here's the key that shows you, verse seven. Just as Sodom and Gomorrah and the surrounding cities, which likewise indulged in sexual immorality and pursued unnatural desire, serve as an example by undergoing a punishment of eternal fire. And so it's interesting there that it says likewise, it's referring back to the previous verse to the angels who also engaged in sexual immorality. That's what it's referring to, Genesis chapter 6. And because of their immorality, just as Sodom and Gomorrah, you lost me? I don't know what you're talking about. Uh, just like Sodom and Gomorrah were punished, the Bible's telling us here that these angels were also punished. And 
Look what it says. Are being held in gloomy darkness in eternal chains until the judgment of the great day. You see that? So those that stepped outside of their bounds, according to scripture, are being chained. They're currently in chains in Tartarus. That's the, the lower parts of the earth. And so it's, it's interesting to me, <clears throat> two things that uh, uh, Pastor Willie George pointed out. Number one, the angels, the fallen angels failed. They failed in their attempt or their mission to prevent Christ from coming. But number two, they were immediately punished and severely punished. So those fallen angels, those specific ones that did what they did are currently being chained in gloomy darkness, in Tartarus, waiting for the judgment day. They are not allowed to roam the earth. They are not allowed to possess human beings. They are not allowed to carry out the work of Satan. They are not allowed to do anything. They've been chained in gloomy darkness by the Lord until the judgment day. It's very interesting. So that's fact number six. Fact number five was fallen angels mated with human women produced giants in the earth. But number six, those that did were immediately punished and are currently being chained in gloomy darkness, waiting for the judgment day because of their indiscretions. And so you can very clearly see that God, uh, this is something that God was very, very displeased with. He was extremely displeased with the actions and indiscretions of these fallen angels enough to immediately restrain them and immediately punish them. Well, why do you think that is? Partly because they were working against redemption that would come in the future. It was a devious plan to work against redemption. God knew that he would send the word in flesh form, Jesus Christ, to redeem the souls of men and women that were fallen. He loved the world and decided that he would send Christ to die in our place. And the devil could not stop it from happening. And his attempt was immediately shattered and immediately punished. Very, very interesting. So when I said that earlier, this is why I said it, that the devil can't create more demons. The souls of sinners don't become demons. And he's already lost some of what he had because they're now chained. Brent, it seems as though that these sons of God took on the form of humans in order to do what they did. And whether that was by possession, we don't know. We don't know. But notice this, the Holy Spirit impregnated Mary. You understand? So Britt's question, if you're listening on the podcast or if you're on another platform, she said, I thought angels and demons had no gender. Uh, if you don't want to get into that de- today, I understand. Uh, the Bible simply says that in uh, that humans will become like angels in heaven where they are not married or given to marriage. Right? So that's when he, Jesus is rebuking those in the New Testament. He said, whose wife will she be in eternity? 
And he said, what you don't understand is that humans will become like angels in eternity where they are neither married nor given to marriage. But that doesn't speak to gender. It just speaks to the fact that in heaven, we will not be married to one another. But see, it, it doesn't negate the fact that there is a, a ability uh, to do that. So if, if the Holy Spirit, who is a spirit, was able to impregnate Mary, the Bible says, and the Bible says that these fallen angels impregnated human women as well. It's almost like a Christ-Antichrist scenario. Christ-Antichrist scenario. And so you see it happen. And they were punished for doing so. The Bible says so. Let me give you number seven. Demons can possess human bodies. Number seven, demons can possess human bodies. I want you to see that and understand it. Demons can possess human bodies. Uh, I want to deal with a couple of things here. Go to Mark five. It's interesting because the Bible, no question the Bible teaches now, let, let me make another, uh, just another um, observation here. If people think that Jude, that passage I just read to you in Jude, was specifically speaking about every demon or fallen angel that left heaven, that just left their position in heaven and rebelled against God, the question you'd have to ask yourself was, if God's restraining or chained up, every demon that left heaven, every fallen angel, then what demons are walking around the earth? What demons are active in the earth? See, that's how you know it's not speaking only of or, or of all of the demons or the fallen angels that left heaven, because if they're all chained in gloomy darkness, and if sinners' spirits can't become demons, then what demons are roaming the earth? By process of elimination, you can easily see that it's, it can't be every fallen angel that's chained. It has to be just those, as the Bible says, that engaged in sexual indiscretions. And so there are demons that can happen in the Old Testament, happen in the New Testament. It's still happening today. I've cast demons out of people today. Not today, but in this generation. Yeah. My staff here have cast before I started it now. Uh, but no question. Um, I've cast demons out of people. I've cast multiple demons out of the same person. I've seen demons cast out of people. It happened in the New Testament. Let me give you a, a few thoughts about this. Uh, not only can demons possess a human body, the Bible says that we've been given power to cast out demons. So if demons couldn't possess a human body, then there would be no need to cast the demons out. <laughs> so the God giving us the power to cast demons out would be unnecessary if demons could not inhabit a human body. But we have scriptural evidence of demons inhabiting human bodies. In fact, here in Mark chapter five, one of the most interesting stories about a, a demons inhabiting a human body, here's one man, one man that was filled with many many demons. In fact, when Jesus asked uh, the demons for their name, they said, legion, for we are many. Now, Josephus tells us that this was in reference to 
a Roman legion of soldiers. And of course, if you study the history of it, a legion was the largest battalion of Roman soldiers. A legion, the largest battalion of Roman soldiers made up of between three to 6,000 men. So the question could be, was this demon saying that there are thousands of us inside this man's body? Well, we know this, that there were at least enough demons in that man to fill an entire herd of pigs that were on the countryside there where Jesus was. And the demons begged Jesus, please send us into the pigs, send us into the pigs. So there were at least enough demons in that one man to fill an entire herd of pigs. And so we know demons can possess human bodies. And here you see it. Number one, many, many demons possessed one man's body. So we know that demons can not only possess a human body, but multiple demons can be inside one individual. Multiple demons. Jesus cast many demons out of this one man. And so it's interesting to understand this because if, if this was not possible, if this was not a thing, then we would have no reason to cast demons out or to give power over demon spirits that possess uh, men and women. And so that's number seven, demons can possess human bodies. But here's, here's the, uh, the, the other thing I wanna say, number eight, demons can be discerned or sensed spiritually. And I want you, this is very important. Demons can be discerned or sensed spiritually. You realize a demon possessed person does not have to come up to you and say, I've got a demon in me. (laughs) If you've got the Holy Ghost on the inside of you, one of the things that is operative in your spirit is a gift of the spirit called discerning of spirits. Now it's not limited to demon spirits as my father will teach in his book. That's coming out very soon on the gifts of the spirit. It's not limited only to demon spirits because our spirits can discern the spirit of God, the spirit of angels, the spirits of other men and women and demon spirits Four. Four different types of spirits that our spirit can discern or sense. We know and can discern the spirit of God, the spirit of angels, the spirit of other men or women, and the spirit of demons, demon spirits. You know what's interesting too? We know when the spirit of God is in a place. We can sense that. We can sense the anointing. That's the spirit of God. You know, you can feel the anointing of God. You can sense it. If you're a Christian, you can, you can know. I'm sure many of you have lifted your hands in the comments. You, you can sense the spirit of God. You can tell when the anointing comes into a place. And then there are, there are people that have sensed angels, that have seen angels. I'll say something interesting about sensing the spirit of another man. There's been multiple times stuff like this has happened. But <laughs> my friend was sitting with another man at a conference huge conference. There were thousands of people there, thousands, like probably more than 5,000 people in the building. And, and these two guys were standing together, preachers. And, um, one of them kind of turned to the other one 
I heard them telling the story. Uh, one turned to the other one and said, Oral Roberts just walked into the building. Now, they, could, they didn't see anybody walking into the building. But about five minutes later, after that man turned to the other man and said that, they, uh, a, an usher led Brother Oral Roberts down and sat him on the front row. Now, how is that possible? That he could tell, he could sense. That man sensed Oral Roberts' spirit coming into the building. I've had my father turn to my mother on the couch and say, uh, Teddy's, Teddy's about to be home. I can feel his spirit coming down. He could literally feel my spirit coming down the road as I was driving down the main road back to come to the house. He turned to my mom and say, Teddy's about to be home. I can sense his spirit. And then he would, I'd come right through the door moments later. You can discern the spirit of another man or woman. Then, of course, as we're talking about, a Christian can discern or sense a demon spirit. You can sense a demon spirit. Uh, let me take you quickly to Acts chapter 16. I want to show you something about this. You can see it happening in the Bible. Nobody has to jump up and tell you. A demon doesn't have to announce itself. <laughs> a demon doesn't have to announce I am a demon. I am filling this person. Caitlin said, I can do, I do that with Mike all the time. One spirit. Your spirits are connected by marriage. You come into covenant, two become one. She said, I can feel him. I think she's referring to being able to feel him coming home or getting closer. Um, <laughs> but understand this. Paul... Paul sensed a demon spirit and it annoyed him. It irritated Paul as demon spirits do. They're irritating. If you've got the Holy Spirit, they grate against your spirit. It, it's, it's an irritating, annoying feeling to have a demon spirit trying to be active. I've dealt with it multiple times. And that's when you feel it. It's almost like the gift of faith rises up in you and you rebuke it or you cast it out. You know, Rose is asking, do you believe they have a scent too? Sometimes it's a certain scent I smell on people that's a demon. I can tell you this, that I know for a fact that my uncle and others who are ministers can smell certain spirits of infirmity. My, uh, my um, uncle Terry was ministering, I believe in New York one time. And while he was preaching, he began to smell this rotten, awful odor. It was like a rotten egg, rotten, that, that kind of a smell. And he knew that it was the spirit of cancer, spirit of infirmity manifested as cancer in someone's body. Moments later, they brought a woman through the back door from the parking lot into the service who was dying of cancer. She was in the final stages of cancer. He could smell that spirit of infirmity before it came into the church. He could smell it coming in. And so, yes, I do believe that, uh, I do believe that in some instances, you could, you could smell that. I do believe in some instances you could. Um, here, in Acts chapter 16, Paul, uh, you know, 
SO on YouTube is asking, how do you make yourself force sensitive to spirits? I think more sensitive spirits. It, it's more about being sensitive to the Holy Spirit. That's really, that's really the answer. Because the more you put your flesh under and the more you become um, sensitive to the spirit realm, then you're sensitive to spiritual things. But the key is not to become sensitive to spirits. The key is to become sensitive to the Holy Spirit and his voice. Because if you're sensitive to the Holy Spirit and his voice, he's the one who is the giver of the gifts of the spirit. And then, of course, the, uh, even the gifts like discerning of spirits will become more active in your life. And then you'll begin to understand and sense and discern things that are going on. And so you don't want to try to become more sensitive to demons. We want to be sensitive to the Holy Spirit. All that are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God, Romans 8, 14. We want to be led by God's Spirit. We want to be sensitive to the Holy Spirit. And then he leads and guides us into all truth. Part of being led and guided into all truth is that you will know when something's off. You'll know when something's wrong and you'll be able to discern things that are out of place. And I'll give you an example. We walked one time, I was down in Charlotte with my uncle and we were leaving. Uh, some of you may have heard of that show, uh, It's Supernatural with Sid Roth. And um, we were walking through and as we were leaving the set, uh, we were leaving the set to uh, go to lunch. We just filmed the shows and we walked past, um, we walked past one of the editing rooms where all the computers were and there was a bunch of staff in there. And my uncle stopped as we walked past the room and he looked in and turned to Sid Roth and he said, you've got a guy in there that's addicted to pornography. And if you'll, if you'll go look, you'll find out I'm telling you the truth. Well, his spirit sensed that as he walked past, he sensed that unclean spirit in the room. Well, Sid, who was coming to our church, uh, I believe later to speak, uh, Sid called my uncle back and he said, you know, you're exactly right. We went back and looked through the logs and there was a guy in there that had just been looking at that on the computer. We have all the logs and the web history and all that. We fired him. Well, how would he, how would he know that from just walking by the room? He sensed it in the spirit. He was sensitive to the Holy ghost and he discerned that unclean spirit there in the room could tell it. He could sense it. And so you can be sensitive to the Holy spirit and you can discern things that are going on. Let me show you Acts 16. The Bible says, Acts 16, 16. Listen to this. As we were going to the place of prayer, we were met by a slave girl who had a spirit of divination and brought her owners much gain by fortune telling. She followed Paul and us crying out, these men are servants of the most high God who proclaim to you the way of salvation. Now there's nothing wrong with what she's saying. She's not cursing them. This should, this should show you something. She's not cursing them. She's not screaming at them. She's not telling them, get out of my city. I know you're men of God. Get out of my city. She's not doing it. She's not even uh, coming against them. Notice she's announcing something that's obviously truthful. These men are servants of the most high God. That's true. Who proclaim to you the way of salvation. That's true. See, even the devil had to acknowledge what was true about these apostles. But notice this, verse 18. And this she kept doing for many days. 
And Paul, having become, having become greatly annoyed, <laughs> turned to the spirit and said, I command you in the name of Jesus Christ to come out of her. And it came out that very hour. So I want you to see this. Isn't it interesting to you that this demon possessed girl didn't have to do anything weird? She didn't have to froth at the mouth. She didn't have to roll on the ground and scream and, and thrash. She literally just followed them saying, these are men of God. They're proclaiming to you the way of salvation, literally saying things that were true. But Paul could sense in his spirit, that's not being said by the spirit of Christ. It's not even being said by someone out of their human spirit. That's a demon in that girl that's saying that. And he felt it so much, it just annoyed the crap out of him. He just was greatly annoyed, the Bible says, and turned and cast the demon out of the girl. So see what, see what happened there? Paul, by the Holy Ghost, discerned that that was a demon spirit in the girl. That she wasn't saying it by uh, the Spirit of God, nor by her own human spirit. It was a demon in her manifesting. And without any truly demonic manifestation, he discerned it anyway and cast it out of her. Cast it out of her. So demon spirits can be discerned. Okay? Uh, number nine. Not only can they be, uh, not only can demon spirits be discerned and possess human bodies, number nine's important. Demon spirits cannot possess Christians. Number nine, put it in the comments. Demon spirits cannot possess Christians. Very, very important. <laughs> demon spirits, number nine, cannot possess Christians. So put that in the comments section, put it in your notes because this is something that's asked all the time. I think, I think my friend at church has a demon spirit in her. No, a Christian, if she is a Christian, can't have a demon spirit living in them. And I'll tell you why. First of all, I want you to go with me to Luke chapter 11 Luke chapter 11. And uh, we'll look at verse, start with verse 14. See, Jesus was, Jesus was being accused of casting out demons by the power of Satan. <laughs> and Jesus had to rebuke uh, these different religious leaders. So listen to this. I'll start with verse 14, Luke 11, 14, and we'll read through, uh, verse 23. Now he was casting out a demon that was mute. When the demon had gone out, the mute man spoke and the people marveled, but some said, some of them said he casts out demons by Beelzebul, the prince of demons, while others to test him kept seeking from him a sign from heaven. But he, knowing their thoughts, said to them, every kingdom divided against itself is laid to waste and a divided household falls. And if Satan also is divided against himself, how will his kingdom stand? For you say that I cast out demons by Beelzebul. And if I do that, 
cast out demons by Beelzebul. By whom do your sons cast them out? Therefore, they'll be your judges. But if it is by the finger of God that I cast out demons, then the kingdom of God's come upon you. Now listen to these next verses. Very important. It says, when a strong man, fully armed, guards his own palace, his goods are safe. But when one stronger than he attacks him and overcomes him, he takes away his armor in which he trusted and divides his spoil. Whoever is not with me is against me and whoever does, whoever does not gather with me scatters. So notice, isn't this interesting what Jesus is teaching? He's saying as long as a demon has the authority over the person, then he can guard his spoil. He can literally have reign over that person's life. But then look at this. But when one stronger than he attacks him and overcomes him, he takes away his armor in which he trusted and divides his spoil. So Christ is saying that though demons have uh, access to these people, when my spirit or the spirit of the Holy Ghost comes, which is stronger than demon spirits, he literally takes away his armor and spoils the demon. So understand, Christ is, is teaching here that the, there's a stronger power in the Holy Spirit, obviously, in Christ's spirit than there is in demon spirits or the devil himself. So here's the question. This is the question. How could a demon fill or possess a human body that is already possessed by the Holy Spirit? I want you to think about that. In fact, write that question in the comments because it's a very important question. Because there's people that believe Christians can be demon possessed. I think it's foolishness. The Bible's very clear. How could a demon with a lesser power come in and possess a Christian who's filled or possessed by the Holy Spirit. And every Christian is filled with the Holy Spirit. Now, not every Christian is baptized in the power of the Holy Spirit, but every Christian is filled with the Holy Spirit. It's the thing that seals your salvation. You can't be saved and not have the Holy Spirit. It doesn't work. Absolutely, Norman. If you cast a demon out of a person, they should get saved after the spirit of that spirit's cast out of them. No question. Because the Bible teaches, if not, if the demon comes back and founds that, finds the house uh, unkept, he'll bring seven worse than himself and come back to inhabit. How could a demon with lesser power come in and possess a Christian who's possessed by the Holy Spirit? Because what would have to happen is that that demon would have to enter into a Christian and overpower the Holy Spirit that's in you. And then the Holy Spirit would have to be cast out of your body by that demon so that the demon could then inhabit your body. It's impossible. How could a demon cast out the Holy Spirit? The demon can't, a demon nor the devil. The devil himself cannot cast out the Holy Spirit. It is the power of the Holy Spirit that casts out devils. It is, he is the greater power. The Holy Spirit is the greater power. And Paul had to remind the church in Corinth, don't you know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit 
who dwells in you. So he makes his home in you. Did you know the Bible says in Romans 8, 11, the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead dwells in you and quickens your mortal body. Now, Sissy B asked the question, then what's going on with deliverance for Christians? Though a, though a Christian cannot be possessed by a demon, possession is not the same thing as oppression or depression. And maybe I'll take a day uh, this week to deal with that more in depth, but possession is not the same thing. Dr. Lester Summerall had a great teaching on this. Possession is not the same thing as oppression or depression. An enemy, the devil can attack you, but it doesn't mean he possesses you, right? Uh, a, a devil or a demon can attack you. For example, if the enemy came against you with a spirit of fear, does that mean you're possessed by the devil? No. It just means that a spirit of fear is trying to attack your mind. And what do you do? You take authority over it, you cast it out. But it, just because you've been attacked by a spirit of fear doesn't mean you're possessed with a demon spirit. It just means that the devil tries to attack the children of God. Would you, are you, are, you can't argue that because somebody is battling depression that they're demon possessed. There are Christians that have to get victory over depression, but they're not demon possessed. They're being attacked by a spirit of heaviness. You cast it out. You cast it out. But it's not that you have a demon spirit that's inhabiting your body. You understand? So there's a difference between depression, oppression, and possession. Esso's asking, is schizophrenia a demonic possession or oppression? I believe some of those things that we have diagnosed as mental disorders many times are demon spirits. Yes, I, I believe certain, Randy, I believe certain mental health issues are demon possession. I don't believe that everybody who has a mental health disorder is demon possessed. I don't believe that, but I do believe that there are mental health disorders that have been diagnosed that are truly the operation of a demon spirit and have seen it manifest, have absolutely seen it manifest. Multiple personality disorder, you know, people have passengers and if you're unsaved, you're open, your spirit is open to the things of the unseen realm. And so demons cannot possess Christians. Now I do want to, uh, I definitely want to clarify that because I've heard teaching, especially these people that go all crazy with spiritual warfare and deliverance ministries. And I believe I have a deliverance ministry. I cast out demons. We see people delivered from drugs, alcohol, prescription medication, demon spirits. I have a deliverance ministry. God has uh, operated by the Holy Spirit through us in that way. But there's people that go so overboard 
that they're just always looking in for somebody. There's something in you. They're always looking for somebody to, to have something that they can cast out. So anything that's wrong with anybody, you got a demon in you. It's like, it's, it's take it easy. There's a lot of things that are just literally caused by the flesh and bad decisions. Yeah, exactly. Brandon said, uh, T.L. Osborne said, we try to get into the diagnosis of things like we're doctors. I just cast them out because it's a spirit that's manifesting physically. So there's a spirit of, you know, if you're battling a spirit of infirmity, it's a spirit of infirmity that's tried to come upon you, but it doesn't mean that you're possessed by a demon spirit. Now, if you look in the New Testament, very interesting, because I want to give you number 10, you're not going to want to miss number 11 because it's so interesting that I may do a whole day on it. It's so interesting I may do a whole day. But let me give you number 10 first. Number 10, all demons are subject to the power of Christ and the Holy Spirit in the believer. All demon spirits are subject to the power of Christ and the power of the Holy Spirit that's resident in the believer. Every demon spirit, including Satan himself, is subject. And you can see that there in, in um, Mark 5, where we were a moment ago with the man with a legion of demons. The demons ran to Jesus, bowed down low before him, and begged him to not harass them before their time. Begged him. The apostles, same thing. Every demon spirit came out as the apostles and the Christians. What about when Jesus sent out 70? Not the 12, not the apostles of the Lamb, 70. And they, what did they come back saying? Even the demons are subject unto us. What was his response? Don't rejoice that demons are subject unto you, but that your names are written in the Lamb's book of life. So it wasn't just Jesus and it wasn't just the apostles, but even the 70, the Christians, those that were Christians going out, casting out devils. Every demon, including Satan himself, is subject to the power of the Holy Spirit that was in Christ and that's in you. Every demon. Every demon. And so, important to understand that. All demons are subject. And that's why we can cast them out. That's why Christ cast them out. That's why the apostles cast them out. And that's why the Christians cast them out. That's why we do it. That's how we do it. But let me, let me say this now. Um, when it comes to this thought of uh, demons being subject, every demon has to bow its knee to the name of Jesus and the power of the Holy Ghost that's on the inside of every believer, every last one. Whether they're possessing or just oppressing, it doesn't matter. They have to go when those that are filled with the Holy Spirit stand up in authority and cast them out. Absolutely. No question about it. And you saw that in Mark chapter five, that uh, Jesus had that kind of authority. The Christians had that kind of authority. We today have that kind of, of authority and should use it. But understand something, if we are so carnal that we can't even sense what's going on in the supernatural realm, how will we ever cast out something that we don't even know is there? We don't even know it's there. An example is we're trying to create natural solutions to spiritual problems. 
in the modern day and age, we're trying to create natural solutions to spiritual problems and we don't deal with things as though they're spiritual, we deal with them like they're natural. And as a result, we think we've got to medicate it, we've got to throw uh, drugs at it, we've got, we got to put it in rehab, all this other stuff. I mean, imagine what would have happened if the man with a legion of demons would have been diagnosed today. Oh, multiple personalities, we need to put him in a, in a clinic, we need to put him in a white straight jacket in a padded room, Get it, we need to give him antidepressants, we need to give him all kinds of, that's what they would have done. They would have put him on mind medication. They would have put him on antidepressants. They would have calmed him down. They would have, they would have drugged him up and stuck him in a room and put him in a padded cell. Well, he's just not safe for society. He breaks change. He gets violent. We need to put him into a, a, a psychiatric ward. That's exactly what they would have done. Because people don't treat spiritual problems with spiritual solutions now. The church should, but even the church is trying to back away from the power of God. And so it's very important to understand this is that every spirit, every demon is subject to the Holy Ghost, every last one. Let me give you number 11 before we pray today. And this is extremely important. May I take a whole day on this. Demons have their own doctrines and want to teach things. Demons have their own doctrines and want to teach things. Let me take you to uh, 1 Timothy chapter 4. This is number 11 now. Demons have their own doctrines and want to teach things to our generation. Very, very interesting thought. 1 Timothy chapter 4. This is not a replay, Teresa. I am live. First uh, Timothy chapter four and verse one, listen to this. Now the spirit of God expressly says that in later times, some will depart from the faith by devoting themselves to deceitful spirits and teachings of demons. Listen to that. Demons have their own doctrines and want to teach things in every generation. Demons have their own doctrines and want to teach things in every generation. First Timothy 4.1, the spirit expressly says it will be a cause of people departing from the faith because they've devoted themselves to deceitful spirits and teachings of demons. One translation says doctrines of devils. And so there is, uh, and there are demon teachings that even, and, and here's what's crazy is that these things have crept into the church and they are being taught to Christians as gospel or Christian doctrine, and it's truly a teaching of demons. It's truly a doctrine of devils, without question. You've heard me harp on it. Uh, you've heard me harp on it on this program many a times. I believe one of those teachings of demons is the hyper grace message. I believe it with all my heart that the hyper grace message is one of the doctrines of devils that will cause, well, look, look at the fruit of it. 
It's already caused some, and I could say many, cause I'm sure there's been thousands, many to leave the faith. Any teaching that makes you okay with sin is heretical. And if you've not read it, I recommend every person on this broadcast read Dr. Michael Brown's book, Hyper Grace. If you've not read it, you need to buy it and you need to read it. Teaching the grace message from a heretical standpoint. It's a teaching of demons. It's a doctrine of devils. It's so funny. I get messages from people. Well, how can you say that when so many people have been blessed by such and such? It's like so many people have been blessed. So many people have left the faith. So many people have just fallen back into sin. What, what is heretical? Heretical means it's heresy. Randy, it's heresy. That teaching is heresy. It's not Orthodox Christianity. It's heresy. Hyperspace might be a different book, Liz. I'm talking about hyper grace. Hyperspace is what you jump to in Star Wars when you kick on the, the boosters and then all the stars look like lines and then you jump into light speed. By the way, if people aren't getting notifications, check your accounts on both YouTube and Facebook to make sure you're getting notified when these broadcasts go live. Yeah, Randy, Google it. Heresy, H-E-R-E-S-Y. It's false teaching. It's demonic teaching, I believe, in this case. I believe it's a fulfillment of 1 Timothy 4.1 that it's something that pulls people away from pleasing God. It, it, it minimizes sin. It minimizes repentance. It minimizes. In fact, it even teaches that 1 John 1, 9 is not written to Christians, that we do not need to repent of sin. If we have sinned as Christians, we don't need to ask for forgiveness. We don't need to repent because God's uh, grace or the blood of Jesus has already forgiven past, present, and future sins that we don't need to do any of that. It's truly truly a heretical teaching. And so one of the final thing I want you to see today, demons have their own doctrines. Demons have their own teachings that they want to literally spread through the world and especially cause Christians to hear them, devote themselves to those false deceitful spirits and then fall away from the faith. No question about it. Um, it's, it's interesting to me when people, and I know it's, I know it's a deeper subject, but it's interesting to me that people teach that like, you know, there is, there's no such thing as backsliding. You're either truly saved or you were never, never really saved. How do you depart from a faith you were never a part of? The Bible says we're listening to deceitful spirits, doctrines of devils and depart from the faith. You don't depart from a faith you were never a part of. And so it's really interesting to understand that demons have their own teaching. I'm doing, Ruth says, I hope you'll do more teaching on this. It's deep teaching all week long. For those of you that may just be logging on all week long, we're doing this series on angels, demons, and the supernatural realm. This is just day one of five, but we're going through all week, angels, demons, and the supernatural realm. We're going to answer questions. If you're just logging on, today's teaching was on 11 important facts about demons, 
or fallen angels. Every morning this week at 10.30 a.m. Eastern Time, we're going to be live with this series, Angels, Demons, and the Supernatural Realm. Now, I need people... People need to understand more fully what the Bible teaches because, especially in these final moments of time, we're called to cast out demons. We're called to walk in victory. We're called to oppose the antichrist spirit, the antichrist agenda, and do what Christ has called us to do. Every one of you, uh, if you're a Christian, you're anointed by God to do the work of Christ on the earth. Demons, uh, Tracy said, I still don't know the difference between the demon and the devil. Demons are, are fallen angels. The devil himself, Lucifer, Satan, who is, if you want to consider it that way, the leader of every demon spirit, the leader of every fallen angel. He is the one who decided to uh, exalt himself and attempt to exalt himself above God, take his throne and was ejected from heaven. And so this will be probably something you'll need to rewatch. You may need to re-listen on the podcast. I understand it's a lot of content, but we're going to go through all week, Monday through Friday, dealing with this subject. Let me pray for you because I believe with all my heart that in these final moments of time, the remnant that God's raising up will be a remnant of power that will do the works of Christ the way that Christ expected them to be done. John 14, 12, the works that I do, you will do also and greater works than these because I'm going to be with the Father in heaven. Let me say this before I pray. Those of you that have questions, uh, we are recording your questions. We're writing them down. And when I go to do a Q&A session, I will have already a list from things you've written in the comments. If I can't get to it live, we're writing it down and then I can address it more fully. Probably on Friday, we'll do a Q&A session uh, about the subject and uh, I'll answer as many of those questions as possible. Let me pray for you. Father, in Jesus' name, we thank you for sending the Holy Spirit on the day of Pentecost. We thank you for filling every one of us with that spirit. Lord, for those that are watching, maybe they've never been baptized in the power of the Holy Ghost. I pray that from this day, they would be baptized in the power of the Holy Spirit with the evidence of speaking in other tongues. Let them step out in the power of God and begin to do the works of Christ on the earth. Lord, I pray that every one of us would become more sensitive to your Holy Spirit. Let us become more sensitive to your sweet Holy Spirit. Use us for your glory. In these final moments before Jesus comes to rapture his church, I pray that you would give us boldness, urgency, and compassion for the lost. And then Father, give us that uh, open door to step out and do what we are called to do. And we will do it faithfully and we will do it diligently in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. We thank you for choosing us. We thank you for using us. Let this be the greatest year we've ever seen in manifesting your power and presence in Jesus' mighty name. And if you believe it, somebody shout a loud amen in the comments section. I want to encourage you uh, here at the end of this broadcast to partner with me and with Carolyn. We want to encourage you to sow seeds monthly. If you've not sown... Let me encourage you to be an answer to our prayer. We have asked the Lord for a thousand people that would stand with this ministry at $85 or more a month. Some are doing much more than that, 100, 200, 500 a month. Many are doing more. But what can you do? 
Ask yourself the question, what can I do to touch the world with the gospel of Jesus Christ? It's amazing because now we're on television preaching the gospel in over 180 nations of the world every single week. It's, it's amazing. Today I'm going to shoot, what, like five or six more programs? Is that how many we're doing today? Okay. So, I mean, you know, you know, we just constantly putting content out, constantly preaching the gospel. Even when I'm sleeping, I'm preaching. Even when I'm traveling, I'm preaching. And you're a part of this ministry as you stand with us in prayer and as you sow seed. And I want to, I want you to ask the Lord, what would you have me to do on a monthly basis to stand with Ted and Carolyn as they're preaching the gospel all over the world, not just on television, not just on the radio, but in uh, live services and crusades, uh, on social media, everywhere, everything we're doing, we're doing to reach this generation. And of course, as, as you know, uh, we're discipling those that are being saved with the brand new discipleship program called what's next. Uh, just God's opened the doors. And so it's happening. Uh, if you've not heard about our what's next discipleship program, we launched it just recently, um, that you can, you can even check it out for free at miracleword.com forward slash next. And uh, you can go through all 11 episodes absolutely free and, uh, and be a part of it and use it as an evangelism tool with your friends, loved ones, people that are newly saved. If you're a pastor, and you don't have the staff at this time to do your own discipleship programs, use ours. You can use it absolutely free and base other, you know, it, each uh, episode is only like 10 minutes. So if you want to play it in a class setting and then teach in more in depth on those subjects, you're free to do that, but, uh, use it and let, let, let it be a, a blessing to those that are being saved in your church. But, uh, I want to encourage you to stand with us on the screen. You can see the different ways that you can sow seeds always at miracleword.com. You can find all of the ways to sow. And of course you can use PayPal, cash app, Venmo, Zelle, hashtag donate. There's many ways that you can give, but I want you to, to partner with us. If you go to the website, you can set a monthly offering that you'd like to sow and set up an account and it'll be recurring. For those of you that are sowing $85 or more in the month of May, we're sending you Dr. Cho's powerful book, Prayer That Brings Revival. This is a convicting book about prayer, but it also shows you how that he's launched the largest church in the world, Yoido Full Gospel Church in Seoul, Korea, uh, and how God used him to do that through the power of prayer. Uh, it's amazing. Those of you that are sowing $1,000 or more, we're going to include with that book, the Life Application Study Bible, Genuine Leather, my, one of my favorite new study resources. And then, brand new, for those that are sowing $5,000 or more, these are getting ready to be packaged soon and shipped very soon. Uh, we're creating something called the Elite Study Collection. And that is three of what I consider to be the very best in-depth study Bibles and two books uh, on how to properly study scripture and get the most out of your devotional time. This will be the most awesome thing we've released. I love this. I, I can't wait to get it out the door. But that's for people sowing $5,000 or more to push the gospel forward, the Elite Study Collection. You'll love it. It's going to be amazing. I love you guys very much. Uh, don't forget, we have brand new content for your children at MiracleWordKids.com. The latest video on lying and telling the truth is up now. You can get it on our app. All of those episodes are archived in the Miracle Word app for your phone or tablet, along with all of the other stuff we have, the television broadcasts, 
Miracle Word Radio, all of the different content we have for you is available in the app. Search Miracle Word when you go to your app store. You'll find it for free. You can download it and it will be a blessing to you. Thanks for hanging with me today. I'll be back tomorrow, 10.30 a.m. You don't want to miss it. It's part two of Angels, Demons, and the Supernatural Realm. I love you guys. Have a great day today. I'll see you again tomorrow. Now that's the stuff leaders should be made of.